Well, friends, here we are. And you're saying, where are we? We're in church. No. Yes, we are. But here we are. We have come to our final message in the book of Ephesians. Isn't that cool? You're so excited. I'm just overwhelmed by that. Um, Our final message in the book of Ephesians. And we're completing this series. And this is awesome. I've titled this message, Ambassadors and Soldiers. And there's an outline in the bulletin if you want to take some notes and all that stuff. And uh, where were we up until this point? Paul was talking about putting on the armor of God and talking about the fact that we are soldiers of Christ. And we talked about the different pieces of armor and that after we've taken up our armor, what do we do next? Well, let's find out. We've taken up our armor. So what does Paul say after that? And the, the, Turn to your Bibles to Ephesians 6. We're going to be looking at verses 18 through 24 today. And important things to understand because I want us to, to stay in this mindset of Paul talking about the fact that we are soldiers of Christ, okay? And we are getting ready for battle. And we've talked about that a lot the last two weeks. So now look at what he says here. My first point this morning is this idea. At all times, Ephesians 6, chapter 18, Paul says this. He says, pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. Now, this is interesting. Prayer is another weapon we have, you might say, right? I mean, we talked about how we have all this, the, this defensive garb, our helmet and our, our shield and our breastplate and all that. But then we had our sword. But we also have prayer. Paul says we should pray at all times. What does that look like to pray at all times? I mean, does that mean that we are constantly praying every second of every day? Well, no, but it means that we need need to pray whenever it comes to mind. Oh, I need to pray that. Oh, yeah, pray. There's a guy I used to work with years and years ago before I was in ministry, and we, we were the only two Christians in the whole office. And I would occasionally come up to him and say, you know what, hey, Bob, I have, a, I have a prayer request that, you know, and I would share with him. He said, he'd say, okay. He said, let's go. And we'd go out in the hall or we'd step outside and pray right then and there. And I always loved that about him. It wasn't a, you know what, hey, I'll pray for you. Yeah, I will. But it's like, no, let's go do it right now. And I, I, when we think about it, we need to pray. Whenever we're worried, we need to pray. Whenever we're unsure, we need to pray. Whenever we're afraid, we need to pray. Whenever we don't know what's going to happen next, we need to pray. I believe that's a part of what what Paul is saying when he says pray at all times. And we see places in Scripture where Paul says pray without ceasing. We need to pray. We need to have prayer for the battle that we will face in the future. We need to pray that we will be prepared for that battle. We need to pray that when we put on that armor of God and we wear that armor of God, that we wear it with confidence. All the things that we talked about. So, we should pray at all times. And not only that, he says pray on every occasion. This is the way the NIV puts it. It says pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. You know, Our prayer should be thorough, Paul says, and it should be in the power of the Holy Spirit. We should let the Holy Spirit guide and direct our prayers. You heard Melvin saying this morning as he was listening to a song and praying that 
God's Spirit was speaking to him about something and a truth that, that Melvin needed to embrace and praise God he shared with the rest of us. We need to let the Spirit guide us. We need to stay alert when we pray, like a soldier. A soldier is always on alert, right? In fact, if uh, there are a group of soldiers at night resting, not all the soldiers are resting, are they? Because some soldiers are out guarding their camp, making sure everyone else is safe. So we have to be on alert when we pray. And also, we need to be, whoops, I think I skipped one. No, I didn't. But we need to be persistent as well. Now, what does that mean to be persistent when we pray? you got to think about this. And this is the way I think of it. One time isn't enough. Oh, I already prayed for that. I don't have to pray for that again. (laughs) Really? We need to be persistent in our prayers. But understand why we need to be persistent. If we ask more times, does God hear us better? No. If we ask more times, does God know we really, really mean it? Why do we pray persistently? Because if it was true that God would hear us better, it would suggest that God doesn't hear us sometimes. I don't know about you, but my God always hears me. We pray persistently because it becomes a constant reminder to us that we are looking to him in all things. Did you get that? We pray persistently, not because God doesn't know and he needs to know. We pray persistently because we need to be constantly reminded that we are looking to him, the God of the universe, in all things. So we need to be persistent. Paul also says that that we need to pray for all Christians everywhere. All Christians everywhere. Remember what we read, I think, two weeks ago in 1 Peter Chapter 5, Peter said this, he says, Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. What is Peter saying? Peter's saying, remember, you're not in this alone. You're not the first Christian who's ever had to deal with difficulty. You're not the first Christian who's ever had to deal with struggles. You're not the first Christian who's ever gone into battle. You have brothers and sisters around the world who are going through struggles too, just like our brothers and sisters in Beirut right now. Paul says, pray for all Christians everywhere. And then, look what he says next. Don't forget about me, he says. Don't forget about me. Look what it says in verses 19 and 20. Paul says, and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words as I boldly explain God's secret plan that the good news is for the Gentiles too. I am in chains now for preaching this message as God's ambassador, but pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Now Paul just said a ton of stuff here. He just said a ton of things. He says, he says you know, I'm telling you to pray for all Christians everywhere, but... Don't, don't forget about me too, you know? While you're praying, pray for me. Pray that I might have the right words to say as I share the message of the gospel. Paul knows that it is only through God, what God provides for him that he is able to do all that God calls him to do. So, he says, pray that God gives me the right words as I share the gospel. Now remember, Paul's in prison, isn't he? 
He's in Rome and he's in prison. When would he have the chance to share the gospel? Well, he could share the gospel through letters, like he's doing right now. He could share the gospel to his jailers, like we know he did, because he was always tied to a Roman soldier. So, hey, hell, you're tied to me? It's kind of like sitting next to somebody on an airplane for a three-hour flight. Oh. Have you ever had that opportunity? you got three hours to share the gospel with somebody. And they can't go anywhere. It's really cool. It's really cool. But Paul has those opportunities. Paul, when else could Paul have the opportunity? How about when he goes on trial? When Paul would go on trial in Rome, a Roman trial, as a Roman citizen, Paul would have the right to share what he wanted to share and to express his defense. What a great opportunity for him to speak the truth of the gospel to all who were present at that trial. Look what it says about Paul in Acts chapter 9. It says this. The Lord says this about Paul. It says, but the Lord said, Paul is my chosen instrument, listen, to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. Paul knew what his job was. Notice that Paul didn't ask them to pray for him to get out of prison. Pray for me so that I get out of jail soon. No, that isn't any of his words there. He says, nothing was, because nothing was more important to Paul than the spreading of the message of the gospel. Isn't that crazy? Think about it. If you were in prison and you were asking somebody to pray for you, would your first idea to be, hey, pray that God uses me? Pray that I'm able to share the gospel. Wow. Paul's my hero. He's my hero. Nothing was more important to Paul than the spreading of the gospel. Look what Paul said in uh, the book of Romans. He said, um, whoops, wait a minute. Did I go too far? Wow, I did something wrong, didn't I? Did I hit some? Were they going forward and you guys weren't telling me? Is that what happened? Thanks a lot. Okay. He said this. Uh, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Later in Romans he said this. He said, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? In other words, Paul's saying, if we don't tell people about Jesus, who will? Yes, Judy. What chapter is that? Romans doesn't have 19. Uh, it's Romans 9, sorry. What, do I have 19 there? Romans 10, my bad. How can they, call, how can they know Jesus unless somebody tells them about Jesus? Look what he says in 1 Corinthians. He said, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. In other words, I'm under order to preach the gospel. Woe is me if I don't. Paul says, I know who I am. I know who God has called me to be. I know what God has called me to do. And man, I better do what God has called me to do. Woe is me if I don't. Why does he say, woe is me? Does that mean God's going to go and squish him like a bug? No. It means that he will miss out on all the things, all the blessings that God has. You see, the gospel was far more important than Paul's curtain, bleh, 
more important than Paul's current circumstances. Paul was under arrest. Paul was under arrest because he was preaching the gospel. He calls himself God's ambassador because that's, that's his calling. His calling was to be God's ambassador, to share the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. No matter where Paul was, he was always focused on the gospel. Friends, we need to have that same attitude as Paul. We need to have that same attitude. No matter where we are in life, we are still called to advance the cause of Christ. Did you hear me? I'll say it again. No matter where we are in life, we are still called to advance the cause of Jesus Christ. Whether we're young, whether we're old, whether we're poor, whether we're wealthy, whether we're having difficult times, whether everything's going awesome, whether we're dealing with COVID-19, we are still called to advance the cause of Jesus Christ. Paul had just finished saying that we are warriors fighting for Jesus. But we will always find ourselves in different battles. Do you know that, friends? The challenges, the battles that we are protecting ourselves with, with that armor of God, will always be different. That's one of the interesting things about the Christian life. There are different battles in life, and I want to take a few minutes to talk about this and explain, and it's a chance for me to work in history, so, oh boy. Battles take place in all kinds of circumstances, don't they? In fact, every battle throughout history is unique because of where it takes place, who is involved, the weather, circumstances, the land, all these things play into a factor. Let me give you a few examples, okay? How about this one? The Battle of Trenton. And people go, the Battle of Trenton? Well, you might know it a little better as uh, the, the crossing of the Delaware. But the crossing was just the beginning. You see, Washington and his troops crossed the Delaware River so that his army could attack an isolated garrison of Hessian troops located in Trenton, New Jersey. It was a crossing where the river was only 300 yards wide. And the crossing was made late in December, Christmas night actually, during a strong storm that brought freezing rain, snow, and terrifying winds. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't go out on a boat when it's snow and raining and freezing winds. And their boats that they had were a little simpler than the boats we have today. Freezing rain, wind, not only that, they were dodging the ice as they were going across the Delaware. And after the crossing, that was just the beginning. Because once they crossed, it took them four hours to, to march from that river crossing site to the outskirts of Trenton. Can you imagine that? They were freezing their hineys off coming across that river. And then they had to march four hours. And then the battle actually begun. Another battle, the Battle of Gettysburg during the Civil War. It was the turning point of the Civil War. A three-day battle in the heat of summer. It was the most costly battle of the Civil War. Casualties at Gettysburg totaled 23,049 for the Union and 28,063 for the Confederacy. For the Confederacy, it was one-third of General Lee's total army. But the key to the Union victory in that battle was not the weather, it was the ground. And what do I mean by the ground? The topography of the ground. You see, after the first day of the battle, the Union Army controlled the heights. Let me show you what I mean by that. 
See, I get to be a history teacher a little bit. Here's the town of Gettysburg, okay? And this is where the Confederacy came towards Gettysburg. And the Union had a small cavalry unit, uh, General Buford, or Colonel Buford's cavalry was holding them back. And then General Reynolds' corps shows up and holds them back. But the problem was eventually, they, they couldn't fight them off. They were terribly outnumbered. They were outnumbered like three to one. So what happened is the Union traveled through the city in retreat and they wound up outside of town. Well, here's a better shot of the battle here. Once again, here's General Reynolds' Corps and they were fighting off all the, the blue is Union, the red is Confederacy. But then what happened was they retreated. Now here's the city of Gettysburg, the town of Gettysburg, and the Union troops set themselves up here. These are all hills and rocky uh, places where they set themselves up. And in between them and the Confederacy was lots of flat, open land. Lots of flat, open land. The Confederate losses were so great because they were fighting at a disadvantage on the second and the third day of the battle. One more battle story. The Battle of the Bulge in World War II. It was the last German offensive of World War II, and the target was the, Bel the Belgian city of Antwerp. And it was called the Battle of the Bulge because, oh, I get to use my pointer again, because there was an a, a Allied force that came out like this, and the Germans surrounded them on three sides. So you had this Allied front here, and you had this bulge of troops that were stuck. They were stuck near, near the, the city of Bastogne. And... 250,000 German troops were coming up against 80,000 allies. It was a battle that lasted, you know, it's a, uh, Gettysburg lasted three days. This battle lasted four weeks. It's the second deadliest battle in American history. U.S. forces suffered 75,000 casualties. And the battle took place in winter in the Ardennes Forest. It's a brutal climate in the wintertime, near Arctic conditions. Blizzards, freezing rain, often reduced the visibility to almost zero. And it was a situation that the Germans were, were able to continue to use to their advantage. Frost covered most of the soldiers' equipment, and the tanks had to be chiseled out of the ice after they froze to the ground overnight. Many wounded soldiers were eventually treated for cases of frostbite and trench foot. Now... The Allies eventually won that battle because the fog and the snow stopped and then it was all over for the Germans. But here are three different battles that had different variables and different circumstances. But you know what all three of these battles have in common? The soldiers who were in those battles fought. They fought. Regardless of the weather, regardless of being outnumbered, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the land that they were looking at it, they fought. Friends, there's something we can learn from this. As soldiers of Christ, we are called to get in the battle, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what opposition we face. As long as we draw breath, we are still soldiers of Christ. And as long as we are on this earth, we must continue the fight. Because if we don't, who will, as Paul said? We must continue. Now, Here's how Paul finishes his letter. He sends some news and some blessings, and look at what it says in verses 21 and 22. 
Tychicus, a much-beloved brother, a faithful helper in the Lord's work, will tell you all about how I'm getting along. I'm sending him to you for just this purpose. He will let you know how we are, and he will encourage you. Tychicus was the one who brought the letter to the church in Ephesus. And Paul also refers to him in several other of his letters. Paul wanted Tychicus to share with them how he was doing and to share what he didn't have time to put in the letter. And he wanted to encourage them because they could have been easily discouraged because Paul was under arrest, right? But Paul, what does Paul do? Paul keeps his focus on Jesus Christ, doesn't he? There's never a woe is me moment from Paul in his letter. In fact, in any of the letters Paul writes from prison, there's never a woe is me moment. Oh, poor me. No, there's no pity parties for Paul. It's all about Christ. Then Paul continues in verse 23 and he says this. He says, may God give you peace, dear brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, friends, as we serve the Lord, we must, we must do so with peace, faith, and love. And that's all part of our armor, isn't it? Peace that can only come from God. Love for others and a faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then Paul says this. He, said, may, he says, may God's grace be upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. He talks about God's grace, the most wonderful gift and blessing that we could have. Grace which brings us salvation. Grace which makes us loved when we don't deserve it. Grace which extends to us all the blessings of the kingdom of heaven. Grace which causes us, whoops, hit a button, sorry. Grace which causes us to love our Savior with an undying love. Undying love, I love that. An undying love, that's a love that is incorruptible, a love that is pure, a love without wrong motives, a love that is a love of complete loyalty. And friends, understand this. It is that undying love that should be our motivation to fight as a soldier of Christ. Paul is calling on the church in Ephesus to love our Lord with an undying love and allow that to be the motivation and the foundation for all that we are and all that we do for Jesus. We are children of God, friends. What a privilege. What an honor. But with every privilege comes a responsibility, right? Hey, Spider-Man knew that. His uncle told him, right? With great power comes great responsibility. You were all thinking it, weren't you? With great power comes great responsibility, right? Right. So with the great power, the power of the Holy Spirit, that is within each of us. In the power of the name of Jesus Christ. We have that responsibility to share and spread the good news of the gospel. Amen? Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your truth. May we all be faithful soldiers of Christ. Honoring you, loving you, serving you. Lord, I pray I would love you with an undying love. I pray that I would serve you without fear. And I pray that I would be like Paul and always have the gospel as my first priority. So as we leave this place, we go in the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ, encouraged and empowered by your Holy Spirit, Lord, sharing the good news with the, of the gospel as soldiers of Christ. May we love you with an undying love, and may we tell others about our Lord and Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.
Have a blessed day.